Take a look around. The world is kind of in a mess. It seems that every single time we, we turn around, at least it feels this way to me, there's some new crisis to worry about. Regardless of what we think about it, the planet is getting warmer. Regardless of the clear teachings of our church, too many people do not have basic necessities, the things that are rights. There are people that don't have enough food. There are people who don't have a place to live. There are too many people that don't have access to clean drinking water or health care. We look around at other places and it seems that there is an awful lot of violence. People are fighting, some quite physically. Even a short look, a quick look, at places like Afghanistan, for, a, for an example, we know that things are not so good. People's lives are really deeply impacted and affected. I've mentioned time and again the poor people of Haiti and how much they have had to put up with, whether it is absolute insecurity of government, uh, hurricanes and tropical storms, powerful earthquakes, the lack of even the most basic necessities for so many. And then we look at our own country where, on the one hand, we are among the wealthiest in the world. And I don't say that because we're all rich, necessarily. I say that because when we look at what we have access to, what we have, the opportunities we have, the infrastructure we have, the uh, educational system that is available to us, we are in the world's highest and most wealthy people. We see a world where the message of Christianity, even though it has been around for 2,000 years, and before that, the message of Judaism, both of which demonstrated a particular teaching of concern for the poorest hasn't really been fulfilled. When we look even at our own lives, we can see that as we look around society, we are losing basic abilities. Now, to be sure, we've never been perfectly good at this, but I've mentioned we before, we can't really seem to have a conversation about any significant topic without immediately retreating into anger. Our inability to talk with each other even about the simplest of things without being angry at each other. Without resorting rather than to a meaningful discussion and dialogue, but rather resorting to insults. People are called evil, or they're idiots. Rather than trying to figure out what is the value that is at stake on both sides of any given issue. Why is this the case? Why is it the case that there are so many problems in our world? 
Well, quite frankly, it's no different today than it's ever been. There is evil in the world. Now, I'm not referring to any of the evil that I might flippantly say about someone who disagrees with me. I mean real evil. Look at how much it is that our world seems to be getting worse and worse. Now, to be sure, in one way, it seems to be getting worse and worse because um, we know more than ever before. You know, the, the great uh, Anglican theologian C.S. Lewis suggested it wasn't always a good idea to learn a lot about what's going on if it really wasn't in your area, geographic area, that there was something that was almost better maybe to be a little ignorant. And I think that was true for my mother when I was growing up who didn't know where I was half the time because she didn't have access to 24-hour cable news. It wasn't the case that she felt that, oh my gosh, this horrible thing has happened. She didn't have to worry about knowing about things that happened thousands of miles from where she was or even in other parts of the country. We live in a world of real evil. It's a part of our lives. Sadly, we all sin, so it's a part of our life in that way. But how much can we see that people really are under the spell of evil? I don't mean always the spell of evil because of sinfulness alone, but think of people who really struggle. Pornography is a huge problem. Some people are completely addicted to it. We know that the opioid crisis has been a big problem in our country. Some people find their lives completely controlled by a substance. We know that too many of us, myself included, spend far too much time with a phone, a tablet, a computer. There's an addiction there. And in fact, if you were to dig a little bit, you'd discover that many of the things that occupy our attention on our phone are deliberately designed in a way to addict us. Uh, just Google the casino effect if you're interested about how social media, for example, creates mechanisms that are not unlike what happens in the gaming industry. We are really less and less likely to even know, often, the people who live around us. We don't always know our neighbors. We don't understand people that are different than we are. We can find ourselves addicted in so many ways. We can find ourselves under the control of things that we know are not good for us, really, but we can't seem to break the spell. How many of us, for example, know that, myself included, I should exercise? It's good for me. I know I should do it. My doctor asks about it every time I see him for a regular checkup. But I always can't seem to find the energy to do it on a regular basis. We know that we should eat well. We know we should eat the right things. But we eat too much sometimes of the things that are not good for us. We know, I guess the point I'm making, is that we know that what is being described in the readings today 
is part of something much greater. This battle that goes on, and it's really not simply to be expressed in the battle between good and evil, which it is, but perhaps it's also appropriate to say it's the battle between freedom and slavery. Paul uses that language, that we were slaves to sin. The Exodus story is a story in the Old Testament about a journey from slavery to freedom. But freedom is not always an easy thing. Sometimes we'd rather have someone else take control of our lives. Because freedom means we have to be responsible for our choices. We actually have to reflect and think about what God wants from us and how it is that we are to live our lives. You know, when the chosen people left Egypt and went into the chosen land, they were given a lot of instruction along the way because they hadn't had an opportunity to learn what it was that God wanted from them. They had a cultural identity, but they were not always allowed to practice their religious identity. And so along the way, God tried to help them to understand that the most important relationship that they could have was with him. Jesus reminds us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And what does the truth, the person, what does Jesus provide? Well, when we have this deep and intimate relationship with Jesus, we know the truth and the truth sets us free. But sometimes doing what the truth demands, having what this relationship with Jesus demands, is difficult indeed. I know it is for me. And so as we get to the end of this year, and as we, quite frankly, are only two weeks away from the season of Advent, we're challenged in our own lives to kind of take a step back and to say, who are we? Who do we want to be? What kind of a person do we want to become? What will we do as we move into the season of Advent to start our lives, our spiritual lives, anew? From a civil perspective, we talk about it, the New Year, making New Year's resolutions, although if you're like me, you don't because you know they're not going to last. But there's something about resolving to live in a particular way and to doing our best where there is value. That's what I'm suggesting for the spiritual life. First of all, what is it that you really need to do in order to become closer to God, to become closer to Jesus? What is it that you really need to do to make those appropriate choices that make all of the difference in our life, setting those priorities in order? How many people in our society, for example, say that they're working for their family, but in fact they're spending all of this time away from their family at work, rather than strengthening and entering into this powerful relationship with God? How often is it that we say we're not addicted to something, but then this new thing gets made, maybe the latest iPhone, and we want it, only to discover that once we get it, there's something else we want. 
It fails to satisfy. We know that we are increasingly living in a time where we use other people. We don't treat people the way that we should. What is it that God is calling you to think about as you prepare for this new church year? You know, it used to be the case that at the end of Mass, we prayed uh, a prayer every day, and it's coming back into form in some way, partly because I think we are recognizing that this challenge that we face to be the people of God, to be those faithful to God, to be those who read his word and say uh, our prayers and lead in a particular way, that there is something far more powerful. The very thing that Jesus mentions, the Son of Man coming on the clouds at the end of time, Daniel, who is going to describe the great cosmic battle being won by the archangel Michael. We used to say the prayer on his behalf because we recognized there were a lot of things that could control us in our lives and that Jesus wants to give us his love and his freedom that comes in living out of that love. And so you might think today about looking up the prayer to St. Michael the archangel. Many of you may have been uh, at a particular time in your life where it was a regular part of your prayer. But what we all need to do is to recognize that Jesus still, even in the midst of all of these difficulties and all of these hardships and all of these things that can cause us anxiety and to worry and to be afraid, that Jesus still loves us, Jesus still cares for us, and that Jesus still walks with us so that we might always know the freedom that he comes to give us and the love that changes us for the better.